dishes and bowls filled with all kinds of delicious foods. The air just as filled with the scent of it. Together friends, family, and neighbors feasted and rejoiced. Succulent meats, savory breads, colorful vegetables, decadent pies, all filled the stomachs of the people of the village until they could fit no more. When the meal was done and all the plates scraped clean, the adults stood around a tall bale fire and discussed the things they were thankful for, while the children enjoyed the last of the summer sun, climbing in a tall and ancient oak tree at the heart of the village. "'I am thankful for the hides I purchased from the fur trader up north,' the cobbler said, thumbing his suspenders. "'I've never made a better boot than with that leather. My young Elias made a pair of dance shoes just the other day out of the stuff, and I've never seen handier work.' He beamed with pride. "'I am thankful for the wool from our shepherd,' the weaver said, tucking dark hair behind her ears. "'I've never rolled a finer yarn. Little Laura Beth has begun to use the loom with it, and I swear my angel's hands were made for our art.' She smiled, thoughtfully. All the adults went about the fire and expressed their gratitude for their work and their pride in their children, until they came to the witch, who had been a silent observer for most of the evening. "'And what about you, Griselda?' the minister asked with an edge in his voice, for he was one of the only members of the village who did not trust the witch. It was not because he believed in magic, though. It was because he believed in demons. I am thankful now, as I always am, for the moon and the sun and the stars, the witch said with a slow smile. I am thankful for the changing leaves on the trees, the dark earth beneath my feet. I am thankful for a great many things. Then she winced, as if in pain, and looked up and away, beyond the gabled houses and lofty barns, into the shadows of the Everwood Forest. Something is not right. Before the words had completely left her mouth, the sky lit up over the treetops with brilliant blue lightning bolts, streaking towards the unsuspecting village. Thunder tore through the air, cracking against eardrums, making hearts leap. The ground began to quake. The children! the farmer cried holding on to his wife to keep her from falling. In the tree at the heart of the village, all the children had made themselves a temporary retreat after their feast. Now they clung to the branches for their lives as the ground buckled and shook, waving them in the air like flags. Lightning stabbed at the forest edge. The storm was coming closer. "'Get down from the tree!' the adults shouted to the young ones, but it was easier said than done. The earth began to crack as the ancient roots of the tree reached up to the surface, loosening its grip on the soil. The children screamed and panicked, climbing higher, as far as their arms could carry them from the dark depths opening below. And then the lightning struck, as lightning does, the highest point on the village landscape, the very tree in which the children were besieged. Sparks flew, limbs and children fell, flames burst forth and consumed the dead leaves in the bough. By the time the smoke cleared, the storm had passed, the ground had stilled, and all of the children were dead. Chapter 2 Parents rushed to their little ones, finding their bodies among the charred and flaming ruins of the oak. Some were broken, some were crushed, some had burned. In arms that were rigid, in arms that were weak, in arms that shook, and arms that moved with an unlikely grace, they held their children's remains. Some screamed and some were silent. Some begged for their little one to open their eyes. No one knew what to do. 
The witch, childless, stood aghast at the edge of the ruin, mind grasping at an understanding just beyond her reach. It was a freak accident, a natural disaster, nothing more and nothing less. There was nothing anyone could have done, nothing anyone could do. Or was there? One by one, the villagers rose and came to the witch, quiet desperation written upon their soot-streaked brows. They carried the mangled bodies of their young in their arms, reverently, like the fine goods they used to make their wares. With pleading eyes they stood before her, willing to believe in magic once again. Only the minister did not rise from his son's corpse. "'You must help us, witch,' the shepherd spoke in a tremulous voice. "'She must do nothing,' the minister barked from the wreckage of the tree. The devil.